Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Public Radio in San Francisco. This is Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos. The recall effort against California Governor Gavin Newsom passed a few major hurdles last week. Supporters turned in more than enough signatures to qualify, and Newsom embarked on a media blitz, acknowledging the likelihood of a recall election in the fall and vowing to win it. We're taking it seriously. I I have to do my job every single day, but I'm going to fight this thing because I'm going to fight for California values and the things I hold dear. Criticism of the governor revolves around economic hardship in the state after the long-term COVID-19 restrictions and the slow pace of school reopenings. We'll get the latest on the recall effort, Newsom's response, and what the last California recall can tell us about this one. That's next on Forum, right after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos. Only one California governor has ever faced a recall election, but Governor Gavin Newsom could make history as the second. Last week, supporters of the recall turned in more than enough signatures to put the question before voters this fall if enough of them are deemed valid by election officials. And in recent days, after weeks of avoiding questions about the attempt, Newsom started addressing the recall effort head on in a series of interviews last week with national media outlets. But before that, here's what he told me in in an exclusive interview recently. This thing started before the pandemic. Uh, look at the petition that's out on the streets. Um, and so don't take my word for it. Take the petitioner's word for it. It's about immigration. It's about our health care policies. It's about our criminal justice reform. It's about the diversity of the state. It's about our clean air, clean water programs, meeting our environmental strategies. So they were crystal clear what this is about. You know, again, take my word for it. Look at the petition on the street itself. We're going to spend this hour talking about the recall attempt, as well as the successful effort 18 years ago, which ousted Democratic Governor Gray Davis. Joining me for this hour, John Meyer, Sacramento Bureau Chief at the Los Angeles Times, and Carla Marinucci, Politico's California Playbook reporter. Thanks to you both for being here. Morning. Good morning. (laughs) So, Carla, I want to start with you. Um, You just heard the governor say that this is not just about the pandemic, even though obviously that's what a lot of people, I think, are uh, angry at him over. Um, And this petition was drafted before, you know, COVID-19 was was common uh, knowledge in California. Can you lay out for us the case they make against Newsom in this recall petition um, that they say some two million people have signed on to? That's that's absolutely right. Uh, Governor Newsom is right in that the original petition filed in February of 2020 uh, really used sort of almost Tea Party red meat language to uh, appeal to conservatives. It talked about uh, that Newsom has, quote, endorsed 
uh, favor of foreign nationals in our country illegally. It talks about sanctuary state status. Um, it, it talks about his uh, trying to uh, upend the death penalty and uh, taxes, uh, high taxes, rationing water. Uh, and restricting parental rights. It never mentions the pandemic. So that was the original plan laid out by the petitioners uh, when it came to this recall. Of course, they had luck and timing on their side in the sense of uh, the pandemic hit. And uh, they, they were given a big help by a judge in November as they were, this whole movement was running out of gas and basically did not have enough uh, signatures to go forward. They were given an extension of 120 days last November. And uh, here we are today, Marisa. Yeah. John, I mean, I want to talk more later, but we saw just last night the San Francisco Chronicle post a story um, noting that on the recall petition website itself, there had been language essentially calling the coronavirus a Chinese virus. Some of this, um, you know, offensive rhetoric we've seen get more attention in recent days because of, of course, the horrible violence we've seen against Asian Americans. There's also been, you know, accusations that recall backers have ties to far right groups. Um, I mean, does that make this harder for the peti- because the petition has this language and then you add it with some of the people with ties to it? Or do you think, you know, a lot of people are just so frustrated that maybe it doesn't matter? I mean, I think it's the great question of, of the campaign that is going to go forward. I mean, it's uh if it, it, it admittedly this is more uh inflammatory rhetoric and more inflammatory kinds of beliefs that some of the people who support this recall uh feel than the recall in 2003 but there are similarities in the 2003 effort against gray davis which was uh you know the the, the democrats at that time said this was all uh extreme conservative politics who were trying to overturn elections they couldn't win you hear all of that again this time uh, in this effort but these particular um, accusations in this particular moment in history, uh, it's hard to tell how that's going to play. And I, and, I, and I, you know, I get back to something that I know, you know, you and I talked about, Marisa, in a different conversation we did with some folks last week, which is the simple idea that the governor's running against himself right now. Um, you know, a recall election absent uh, real candidates on the other side, and I'm not taking anything away from the Republicans who have promised to, to run when this thing qualifies, but really it, it's a, it's a, it's a vote of confidence or no confidence on this governor. And so he's looking for someone to bring into that conversation. And if he can bring QAnon, if he can bring uh, all of this vitriol out there and pose it as the, um, as the opponent, as the straw guy in the other way, um, maybe he's got a different chance in this. But at, at the end of the day, it's a Gavin Newsom election. If you, if you like or dislike him, that's the question voters have to decide. Right. I mean, Carla, it's not just accusations by Democrats, though, right? I mean, there's been detailings, not just of what I brought up, but um, that, you know, the original uh, backer has made some anti-immigrant comments. Um, We've seen reporting on the way some of the petitions were gathered and and the language that was used by folks, you know, in that. I mean, what do you think recall backers should do? Because what we saw in that Chronicle story I mentioned was Randy Economy, um, one of the chief spokesmen, say, I'm sorry if anybody's offended by this language. Um, I mean, is that going to cut it, you know? Yeah, I I think, look, I think the recall backers do have um, 
a, a little bit of a problem right now. The focus has been on Oren Heatley, one of the founders of the recall, who in a, and we reported this last November, uh, who in a February 19, uh, 2019 post on Facebook suggested microchipping of undocumented immigrants saying, you know, that animal control does it. Um, we've, we talked to him about it. He said that is that was hyperbole. That is not something he supports. But the fact is, it was out there and it's something that they have had to explain. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, Randy Economy, uh, one of the, uh, the recall spokesmen, has had to also explain uh, the references to the Chinese virus, et cetera. I, I think this is, uh, as John said, it does come back to Gavin Newsom, but it, it does allow his team to seize on this. It's ammunition. And they have tried to portray this as a Republican recall with a capital R. They've said that's the way they're going to they're going to portray it. And the fact is, uh, they they have been sort of effective in doing that, uh, maybe overkill by Rusty Hicks, the, one of the, the right. uh, Democrat, the chair of the Democratic Party. Uh, but that's this is the dynamic we're going to see going forward. Um, Newsom is going in, in an overwhelmingly Democratic state. Uh, Newsom's team is hoping that the emphasis on the Republican backing, not just here uh, among conservative Republicans, but remember that national Republicans are behind this. Mike Huckabee, uh, Newt Gingrich, uh, the Republican National Committee. And, and that has also handed them an opportunity to remind Democrats and independents who may be leaning uh, toward, toward the Democratic Party, that if they're um, if they're aligned with this recall, they're also maybe tied at the hip with some of these more um, you know far right uh, supporters of the recall. That that is clearly also a message to donors out there and potential donors, uh, if uh, particularly corporate donors or big donors. If you're going to support this recall, uh, you you may also be tied to some of these more far far right um, uh, entities that are supporting the recall. So it's a strategy. Uh, but as John said, in the end, it comes back to Gavin Newsom, and that's what we're going to see as this plays out. Marisa, could I just ask? Yeah. Could I just say something really quickly? What I find interesting about this is what the the, the takeaway, and, and I think I agree with both of you. You're absolutely right. These are um, these are outrageous comments that someone is going to have to explain, and they are going to influence uh, you know those middle of the road voters who might be frustrated with Newsom, but don't certainly subscribe to any of this. This to me is another one of those lessons of they were so focused at getting the recall on the ballot and they don't know politics in that way. And they, they, they didn't, see, I mean, you know, getting something on the ballot is different than getting it passed by the voters. And they went to whoever they could get to get to signatures on this. Um, and they have, uh, they are not in the mainstream of the California political conversation by any stretch of the imagination. But it's just fascinating that now they are confronted with a campaign. It is no longer an effort to get it on the ballot. They are confronted with the reality of politics and these comments uh, play very poorly. And so you're absolutely right. This is, this is what happens when uh, uh, folks were not thinking about actually recalling Newsom. They were thinking about getting it on the ballot. Right. And I think the world has changed. I mean, not just because of the pandemic, but with the racial justice protests last summer, with these attacks in Atlanta last week. I mean, some of this stuff um, obviously would have been offensive prior to any of that, but it, it could change the politics. Um, we're talking about the recall effort with gov uh, recall effort of Governor Gavin Newsom with John Meyer, Sacramento Bureau Chief of the Los Angeles Times and Carla Marinucci, Politico's California playbook reporter. Um, 
I want to ask you both, because you were here covering state politics during that 2003 Davis recall that uh, John mentioned earlier. Um, John, sticking with you for a second, how how different does this feel just in terms of the political dynamics and, and, and the threat to Newsom? I mean, did it feel like Davis was in a more or less vulnerable spot when that recall qualified 18 years ago? Yeah, I think Newsom is in a significantly better position than Gray Davis was. Um, I've been having lots of flashbacks to 2003 over the last few months. Uh, PTSD, it, perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> uh, political reporter PTSD. I mean, Gray Davis came in a, a weekend governor. I should remind people in the very brief uh, uh, explanation of this. Remember that he came in as a weekend governor. He had limped to reelection in 2002 had only commanded a plurality of votes, not a majority of votes in that election, had dealt with an energy crisis. There was a, a, a recession that was plaguing California, even worse than the rest of the state. And there was a feeling of just kind of politics as usual. There was an angst out there. Um, having said all that, uh, the, you know, Newsom is in a pretty bad position here in that, I mean, when I talk to people who are not rabid Republicans, but who are liberal Democrats, and I hear frustrations and exasperation and um, uh, just no confidence in, in Newsom, which I have heard in my neighborhood and people I talk to for reporting, that's a warning sign for this governor. I think yeah. the real difference is, is that he came in at a better position than Davis did. And right now, he doesn't have anyone uh, prominent enough or interesting enough, I think. And, and I'm not again, I, I sound like I'm, I'm taking jabs at the Republicans <laughs> who said they're running, but they have not made their case to the voters, unlike Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, again, Schwarzenegger right. came in late in that race. But when Schwarzenegger entered the race, the writing was on the wall for Davis. Absent Schwarzenegger, that could have gone differently. I think Newsom's best chance here is that pandemic conditions improve, vaccinations, everything else, and you don't have an Arnold Schwarzenegger or someone like him who just is lightning in a bottle in California politics. All right, Carla, we're going to get your input on that after a short break. We're talking about the effort to recall Gavin Newsom, and we want to hear from you. Should Governor Newsom be recalled? Is this effort a waste of time and resources? Give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. We'll be right back. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos here talking to John Myers of the Los Angeles Times and Carla Marinucci of Politico about the effort to recall California Governor Gavin Newsom. Carla, we were talking before the break about the 2003 recall of Gray Davis, which was obviously a very different situation. I mean, his approval ratings were down to, I think, 23 percent as as the election approached. Um, and we were in the middle of an energy crisis, which is harder, I think, 
it was more complicated to understand in some ways than the pandemic. Do you, I mean, how are yeah. you feeling watching this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I remember that, you know, almost two decades ago, um, when California voters <clears throat> signed up to, to sign those petitions um, against, against Gray Davis, it did become the start of a, of a revolution, a grassroots revolution, that, and something that continues to uh, really royal California politics, I think. I mean, I remember... Uh, I mean, there's no comparison, as John said, that the Arnold Schwarzenegger presence in that recall was was, uh, you know, a bombshell. And I remember being backstage with Arnold Schwarzenegger at the Jay Leno show um, and watching him make that announcement that he was running for governor. the, The world turned upside down politically in California. I remember election night uh, when the results came in. And he was about to take the stage to make his acceptance speech. He came over to us reporters on the side of the stage and said, only in America, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but he might have said only in California, because California is the easiest state in the nation for a governor to be recalled. Only 19 states allow a recall. And California's bar is the lowest of any state. Only 12 percent um, of the of the last voter turnout uh, in terms of signatures have to be collected, unlike some states where governors have to be uh, you know, convicted of fraud or other, uh, you know, other criminal things. That's not the case in California, which is why uh, California has seen two recalls in the last uh, two decades. And and I think, uh, you know, we're, we're sort of still paying the price for what we saw with the Gray Davis uh, recall. Uh, I think th- that's the interesting thing. And as John said, the lack of a of a candidate or a presence like a Schwarzenegger at this point uh, just changes the picture a lot. Uh, it, uh, and, and we'll see if we're going to get somebody like that, uh, Marisa. It, remember that the uh, the qualifications to get on that recall ballot, and I think this is sort of a drama coming ahead, the qualifications to get on that recall ballot are the same as they were in 2003, before Facebook existed, before Twitter or GoFundMe existed. And, uh, you know, it's it's $4,000 or about 7,000 signatures. $4,000 is nothing to, to uh, get together on GoFundMe for anybody who wants to be, you know, get some publicity about running for governor. And by the way, as soon as you're on the ballot, then you're on all the, um, you know, campaign and, and election statements that come to voters and you get that free publicity. I, I can imagine there may be hundreds of people that might run for governor it's going to be a circus here in California. There's no question about it. And it was a circus back then with Schwarzenegger because of his overwhelming personality. But it may be a circus here in California, months of circus for a different reason. And um, I think we all have to brace ourselves for that. Yeah, I mean, John, um, I want to get you in here real quick, and then we'll go to some callers. But I wonder if you think I mean, some, you know, there's been some speculation that if if Newsom beats this, he could emerge stronger, that this could be a comeback for the Republican Party, on the other hand. And I've just been thinking a lot as somebody who both covered that recall and the subsequent Schwarzenegger administration. I mean, Schwarzenegger helped push through a lot of things that Republicans didn't like, including a real change to our primary system. Um, You know, eliminating the two thirds budget requirement was, you know, happened under him, which has really sidelined Republicans in Sacramento. So, I mean, do you see the legacy of that recall as a win for the GOP in California? 
Um, maybe. I mean, you know, I, I just point out that budget change came at the very end of the Schwarzenegger uh, tenure and, and was somewhat d- dictated by horrible budget standoffs in those years. But I, right. I, I feel like that uh, that Schwarzenegger, you know, the thing is, is that Arnold Schwarzenegger had a relationship with the California electorate that wasn't about being a Republican. It was about being Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I think that has a lot to do with why he got elected. I, I'm not saying that a Republican could not have gotten elected in 2003, but a lot of people who voted for him did not think of him as a Republican. Um, I think that, uh, uh, you know, everything now hinges on how Newsom reacts to this and the conversation that Newsom has. Again, I think it's a Newsom race to lose. Um, you know, all these candidates who get in can be kind of a blur to voters. Uh, conditions in California are, are going to be, diff- are, um, you know, maybe different at the, when the recall election actually happens. We don't know when a recall election will happen. We should say that, uh, Fall, October, November, depends on how fast the signature verification process comes in. I just think at the end of the day here, um, Republicans have a tough road to hoe to get anywhere on this. Um, They've got to find someone who can appeal beyond the base of the party. And it's a very base politics universe that we live in now. And uh, it's it's Gavin Newsom's to lose. And I think the question then becomes, how does Newsom react to this? Does he change his governing style in the next few months or do conditions improve or both? Something's got to change because I think the conversation right now does not make people feel great about him being governor. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to bring in Paul from San Mateo. Uh, Paul, you're on air. Hi, nice to be with you all. And I think what John was just saying is really true, that this is Newsom's to lose. I'm a strong Democrat. I'm a strong progressive. I look at what he's had to face when you consider the fires and COVID monumental in the biggest, in in the most significant state in the country. And he's dealt with it, I think, pretty well. I mean, you know, he made some errors, obviously, but most governors have in this because COVID has been a moving target, a moving object. Uh, you know, most um, epidemiologists in Medicare and Medi-Cal, um, I'm sorry, um, uh, medicine um, advances have been very mixed about how to proceed, et cetera. I think that one of the things is going to we're going to see his strengths and his weaknesses. And as John just said, you know, to, how he reacts to all of this is the most important part. I think that they reacted incredibly poorly in the beginning. And I think that he's now gathering some momentum. And I wonder what you all think as he moves forward is his greatest weakness. You talked about the possibility of a Schwarzenegger type emerging from the Republican Party. Who is that? We really don't know. That person is not out there right now. But if you look at his weaknesses or the potential weaknesses, what's the what's the thing that you think is really going to um, perhaps chase him? Thank you, Paul. Carla, what do you think? You know, I, I, Paul makes a really good points about a lot being out of Newsom's control in terms of COVID. But let's remember the thing that was within his control and has done the most damage to him and suggest what his weaknesses are was that with the French was the French only dinner. Um, it just showed uh, just a, a lack of judgment and a, a lack of sense of, of optics. And that could be his biggest weakness, I think, as it goes forward. He's got to, uh, in many ways, uh, Newsom has had, uh, you know, very strong communication skills when he's out there uh, on the stump. But when he speaks, when he's done a lot of his briefings, he comes off as a very 
techie sort of, um, I don't know, controlled uh, figure that doesn't have that kind of outreach to just average folks. In fact, a lot of uh, fun has kind of been made on, on some of the, his key, the key phrases he uses. I, I mean, that I think that may be one of his issues, that and maybe his relationships with legislators in Sacramento, uh, all of those come into play. But certainly some of Newsom's worst problems have been his own self-inflicted wounds when it comes to this uh, uh, this pandemic and how he has dealt with the, both legislators, um, teachers and, you know, just average folks, and particularly when it comes to uh, his outreach and his optics. Yeah, well, I actually, um, there are more substantive attacks on Newsom, but I think you're right that the French Laundry Dinner really, you know, animated people and, and frustrated people, um, understandably. And I actually got a chance to ask him about that in our conversation a little over a week ago. Um, here's what he said. Maybe he wouldn't have gone to that dinner, too, probably. Well, there's that. Too. And of course, I mean, by definition. And, uh, in the, you know, and that's that's those things you can never get back. And, you know, I owned up to that. And no one no one hit what hit from that. And uh, that was a mistake. Crystal clear. So, John, I, I have another um, comment from from a listener who voted for Newsom, but is wondering if he earned the recall saying I have a mixed opinion. It's a Republican hatchet job, but maybe Newsom's earned it. If you had to say that Gavin was a failure as governor, he earned a recall. How would you say that's true? Look at the EDD debacle. And I mean, that yeah. is a substantive issue. Right. And that is something that predates Newsom. But actually, in that way, gives Republicans some fuel, because what they're saying is, look, this is a Democratic problem. They've had control for the last, you know, however many years and they haven't fixed it. Yeah, I think I think that, you know, it, as this thing moves forward, you know, whether voters do this or whether it's just political reporters and pundits do this, we separate things into buckets, things that were somewhat out of the governor's control and some things that were in the governor's control in terms of trying to evaluate how he's done in the job. And I got to point out, as I say that, the symbolism of the French Laundry Dinner. I mean, he says he owned it, but he didn't own it at the beginning. He said it was not, it was outdoors and it wasn't outdoors. I mean, there was a whole lot of uh, parsing there, but. Right. You know, they could have made that a shorter yeah. sort of. <laughs> d- yeah. But, but these buckets, these buckets of what he has can control and not control. And so in the buckets that he could have controlled, he probably could have rolled his sleeves up a little bit more on EDD. Yes, it predated him, the problems with the unemployment system, but there are people who will fault him there. People will fault him on the vaccination rollout and the plan the state had in place for that. People who might fault him on schools, which I think has become a growing issue of when he wasn't engaged, he didn't want a state solution, he wanted a state solution, they weren't open. Um, I think that, and, and this is, you know, and I, I say this, Marisa, when I, because again, talking to people, they seem to understand the places where they think the governor could have done more and where he was dealt a bad hand. And I think if you are the campaign that is seeking to remove him from office going forward, you're going to have to explain that to voters. Some of this, yes, he could have not done anything, but some he could have done better. And if voters believe you, this is going to be tough for him. Yeah. Uh, Roger writes, Newsom said vaccine equity was a priority, but we see that people of color are way behind. He said teachers were essential workers at the beginning of the pandemic, but schools are still not open. Of course, Newsom wants to change the subject from his many incompetent actions. Um, And we have another caller, Rebecca from Oakland. Rebecca, you're on. Um, Yeah. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to say I think that a lot of Democratic strategists are really underestimating um, the anger of progressive and democratic parents at Newsom's just total failure to put kids first and to mandate that schools reopen. 
California is last in the nation, 50th, in terms of reopening schools. We are way behind the rest of the country. And, you know, there there are several times where, where Newsom could have just mandated the schools open since we know that it is safe. A lot of parents that I know, strong Democrats, very angry at him for not taking stronger executive action on this. Rebecca, can I ask you, do you think that anger holds if there's not a, a, a Democratic option to vote for him? I mean, are you going to vote for a recall? Um, if, if, if you're saying this is progressive sort of energy, do you think that people might choose a Republican on the left, even just because they're so mad at Newsom? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I personally uh, have not decided to vote for the recall, but I know a lot of Democratic parents who are going to vote. They basically feel like they've become single-issue voters. Um, So I do think that a good percentage of the people who are going to vote for him to be recalled, they may recall him even if there's no, you know, liberal other option. All right. Thanks, Rebecca. I mean, Carla... uh... Yeah, <laughs> the school issue is complicated. This is not a, a a show about just schools, but um, you know, I think there's a sense that Newsom could or should have done more. There's also local school districts, local unions. I mean, a lot of layers to this, and kids yes, are going yes. back now, right? So, I mean, talk about how how dangerous this is for Newsom, and what how much you think it matters what happens in the next few months around schools. This is this that. is very dangerous for Newsom. This is probably this is the most dangerous issue for him. I mean, look, Rebecca. Rebecca said she's a progressive um, and and progressives in California are looking at, say, other progressive states like Massachusetts, where Charlie Baker, the uh, the Republican governor, ordered all the K through eight schools to go back to full full time in-person instruction by April. When they when people see that here in California and say, what what what's going on? Why can't we have that? Newsom has also stepped in it in other ways in that he has recently been talking about his own problems with Zoom school with his kids. But as we've reported, he's his kids have been back in school since October in private school. And that rankles a lot of people, too. Uh, So I think this is the issue that it's going that it's going to come down to in the end is that if these schools aren't open soon enough, I mean, and everybody's looking at the huge impacts these are having uh, economically on parents, uh, emotionally on kids. Um, people are looking at, you know, the California Teachers Association, one of his biggest uh, supporters, of course, and saying, look, uh, we need you to send the message now. And I think the pressure is going to be on him more than ever, uh, that, the, that these schools have got to open. When you have uh, L- LAUSD, the, l- the largest school district in California, suggesting that, well, maybe the three-foot um, uh, distancing suggested by the CDC is, is too uh, stringent, I think parents in L.A. are going to be upset, and I think uh, Newsom's going to have to answer for that. So this is, this is the issue, I think, that, that, that the whole thing could end up coming down to if these schools aren't open soon enough. And John, I mean, do you think that also is going to be the difference in terms of whether any sort of prominent, legitimate Democrats jump into this race? I think it's entirely possible because I think, you know, one place that you see differences in Democrats sometimes comes to education policy, their relationship with um, public employee unions, the teachers, their relationship with charter schools. We saw that in the 2018 governor's race when Antonio Villaraigosa was the most prominent Democrat challenging Newsom, who was backed by the charters, came up short in that. I, I, I do think just a, a, a slight note of caution as we talk about this, the issue plays differently among different uh, Californians. 
And we have seen, you know, in our reporting of folks in Southern California, my colleagues at the Times have found very real concerns in communities of color, in uh, low-income communities in California about sending their kids back. These are communities hardest hit by COVID, um, people with multiple generations living in the same households and, and essential workers that have been in the work the whole time. And there is fear about those kids coming back. But I think the thing that does unite everybody is a consistent message, a consistent policy. And there has been criticism of the governor, and I think rightly so, that the policy has not been consistent through last spring, through opening schools in the summer, and then through his end of the year, early January push to get schools back open. There has been a lack of consistency. And I think, you know, again, people want to know what's going on and they want to know you're on it. And there has been frustrations, real frustrations, that the governor didn't get that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we have about a minute or two before the break. David in Sunnyvale, welcome. Hi, uh, two comments. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, former Governor Brown was interviewed by Michael Krasny, and he, from the comfort of his uh, country home, being a retired governor, was saying, oh, yeah, well, about every two years into the uh, administration, you get a recall. And he was kind of shrugging it off, saying that Newsom could probably uh, survive this thing. But I see two issues that I'd like to hear more commentary on. One is the EDD disaster with all of the corruption and, uh, of course, schools, which you've been covering. But uh, which of those is going to be the, the issue that voters care about and which might make the difference? So I'll, I'd just like to hear those comments. Thanks. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Um, we're, we can hit that after the break. Uh, we've been talking about the effort to recall Governor Gavin Newsom with John Myers, Sacramento Bureau Chief at the LA Times, and Carla Marinucci, Politico's California Playbook reporter. We want to hear from you. Should Newsom be recalled? Is this effort a waste of time and resources, or is it valid? Give us a call at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED4. Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. We'll be right back in a minute. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos. We are talking with John Myers of the LA Times and Carlo Marinucci of Politico about the effort to recall Gavin Newsom. Um, before the break, we had a caller asking about EDD, um, and the other was about Governor Brown saying everyone can expect a recall fight. I mean, he's right on that, right, Carlo? We've seen, I think, 55 attempts to recall a governor, but only one has actually qualified for the ballot previous to this, and this it's one right. hasn't and, yet. And, and this is the sixth attempt on Newsom. Um, so he's correct on 
on that. Like I said, California has the lowest standards when it comes to these recalls. I think uh, that's one of the issues that uh, maybe needs to be addressed at some point. But on the EDD, I, I think, you know, the caller is correct that when you have still more than a million claims out there awaiting processing, uh, there's a lot of folks who are being affected by that. Certainly Republicans and the, and the recall proponents are going to make more of this when you're talking about an agency, uh, you know, that uh, basically admitted it paid out $11 billion in fraudulent claims. That is a huge story. But as John said, that is that predates Newsom in some respects, but he's got to address it. Um, I, you know, I, I think there are a number of pitfalls ahead. When we talked about schools, but I think a number of pitfalls ahead for Newsom uh, that that are so also sort of uh, out there. And, you know, even in a state that is overwhelmingly blue, overwhelmingly Democratic and, and people talk about, uh, you know, that the Republican field right now doesn't have a big star and it looks like Newsom is going to be able to beat this. Uh, I just suggest when you're talking about a summer, it is a long time between now and October or November when we may see this recall. And as John knows, and you know, Marisa, that's a that's a lifetime in politics. You've got a, a yeah. drought. You've got <laughs> drought conditions that are uh, that are waiting out there. We don't know how that will affect California. You've got potentially a heavy wildfire season that could come with it. A summer of planned blackouts that affect millions of people as they as they have in the last couple of summers that could anger a lot of voters as you're heading into uh, a recall vote. Then uh, you've got these COVID variants that some of the uh, some medical experts are suggesting are going to ha- create a resurgence in California that we might not be able to predict uh, how that's going to affect and who and how many. So, you know, and there's always a possibility, by the way, of another French laundry type incident, <laughs> let's just say. Well, so, yeah. I, I don't think there's any, you know, nobody can can absolutely bet on how this is going to turn out. EDD schools, yeah, and a lot of other stuff can happen in California. Well, but on the other hand, John, I mean, things could be better, right? People are getting vaccinated. Schools are starting to reopen. And the state and feds have approved billions of dollars in economic relief. I want to ask, like, I mean, because we do have a higher unemployment rate in California than in a state like, say, Florida which I know a lot of people have been comparing us to. They also had essentially riots over spring break this weekend. So maybe it might not be looking as good there either. But I mean, what do you think that this aid, both the federal and state could do to help Newsom and Democrats kind of make their case to people who are suffering still? I think the money could help, but it's a it's a it's all the things that you just referenced there about vaccines and uh, kind of the feeling that, you know, we're doing better on pandemic conditions, so, you know, counties opening up more services. I mean, if I was advising the governor, uh, and I'm not. Free um, advice, free advice. Yeah, <laughs> right. But, but, yeah, well, but they go. know this. They're, they are well paid and know this stuff better than I do. But like, I would want this election as late as possible mm-hmm. because I would want, you know, I would want the signature count and verification to go on for a while because the longer I think that, that the governor has for things to get better, the more this vitriol of his base of liberal Democrats, like the caller who talked about has heard, uh, may subside some, although the school year, the next academic year is going to be big. I think the federal money is good. I think it'll help schools. I think it will um, uh, fill in some gaps in social safety nets. It will certainly help counties and cities, uh, $16 billion that are going to those. Those budgets have been stretched by public health needs and public safety needs. I do want to say about the callers thing, though, really super quickly here, that 
and when we talk about unemployment, there have been two issues here, right? And, and Carla referenced this a moment ago. There's the fraud, and the fraud was largely in the pandemic unemployment assistance, those people who weren't normally eligible for uh, unemployment benefits who got this extra money. Uh, that's a big thing. That's a really hot headline, you know, in terms of the people, the inmates who got money in their name. And then there's the delay. There's the people I checked in with one of my reporters while we we're talking who covers it. There's still a million claims that are backlogged of right. people. And the governor, if he could address that in some way, either in substance and or symbolically, symbols in politics matter, uh, he might make people feel better about him rolling up his sleeves and getting the job done. And that's ultimately what people want to know is they want to know, we know you got dealt a bad hand, as we said earlier in this program, but how did you play it? And I think people want to see that he's playing it better. And he's got some opportunities there, but he's got to do it. Absolutely. All right. Just because we did bring it up, I want to read this uh, comment from Desmond, who writes, please stop bringing up the French Laundry incident and blowing it out of proportion. Voters don't care about a one-time evening of poor judgment. We care about saving California's economy and reopening schools, not about a fancy dinner. Um, I think, you know, I think some people will disagree with Desmond, but we'll let that one stand. Uh, I will disagree with Desmond. <laughs> I will disagree with that. I respectfully <laughs> disagree with that. Well, not everybody, that, not everybody yeah. cares about this, right? But it, it has no. really fueled a lot of anger. No, yeah. but it, yeah, but that, to that point, Marisa, like, you know, and, and I respect Desmond's point because at the end of the day, it is just a dinner. But symbolism in politics and the way things snowball in politics really matters. And I mean, this was an unforced error. Yes. Uh, it, it, you know, it's it's not one that like he, you know, he did it on his himself and it came at the exact wrong time. And I'll tell you, when you talk to people uh, casually who don't cover politics about Newsom, they've all heard it and they all think it was really just a bad move on his part. So he's <laughs> right about substance, but symbolism, goodness gracious, Jerry Brown knew this better than anybody. And symbolism there's <laughs> And can I, can I just add, if voters hate one thing, they hate hypocrisy. And that that was the ultimate moment where he was he was telling people to stay home, to control their contacts with people, not to dine out. And there he was caught in the act. I, I absolutely yeah. I, I disagree. But I, I respect the, the yeah. caller. But no, <laughs> optics are everything. And hypocrisy is one thing voters don't usually forgive. We're talking about the effort to recall Governor Newsom with L.A. Times, John Myers and Carla Marinucci of Politico. Um, I want to bring in another caller, Mike, in San Francisco. Yes, good morning. Thank you for the program. Excellent. I want to make a couple of points. Number one, uh, Newsom is not doing anything different than he did when he was uh, mayor of San Francisco, native San Franciscan. He has some really good ideas. He doesn't necessarily always have great follow through. Um, and he also has terrible optics. Now, that he could get away with in San Francisco. Uh, just because of the nature of Northern California, San Francisco, but he can't do it with the rest of the state. You know that that you know Prince Newsom from Marin limo liberal kind of thing. He's just and and especially with the like uh, the guest said, hypocrisy of callers do not like that. Now I will support Newsom just because of the fact that the current Republican Party is so abhorrent. Uh, but I, I'm afraid he you know he made some bad decisions. I will give him credit for some really good leadership early on. But then he kind of dropped it. All right. Mike, thank you for that. And I think I think Mike's uh, call underscores the fact that, yeah, Newsom had really high approval ratings. I were, they were talking about the mid-60s, high 60s uh, that they have dropped since. And I think we're going to be waiting to see what the polls show now. <clears throat> now that vaccines have become more common, now that schools are starting to open, let's see how the, the, the polls are going to work. But, yes, um, uh, he, he, he has lost ground. There's no question. 
Well, John, you wrote about or included in with some of your coverage the Emerson College poll uh, from last week, which was sort of a mixed bag, I would characterize, right? Yeah, I would say that. I'd say both that poll and the poll from uh, the UC Berkeley Institute of Governmental Studies, I think, caught some of the same vibe. And they were different snapshots uh, spread apart by several weeks where there is a frustration, but it has not boiled over yet. I guess let's use that image. Let's stay with it. Right. It's the pot on the stove there like the you know, it's it's there, but it's not boiling over. The top's not off. Um, so there's some room for the governor to, to continue to make his case. I mean, people are open to the idea of recalling him, but they haven't gone over the top, but the Emerson poll, uh, which was conducted more recently found that a majority of the people surveyed in that poll, uh, want someone else as governor in the 2022 regular election. And that is pretty shocking. I mean, there's been no governor who hasn't gotten a second term who hasn't wanted one in modern California history. And so that's a warning sign, I think, for the governor long term. But um, right now, uh, this is still, as I said earlier in the program, this is still his race to win or to lose, I guess I should say. I think um, there's frustration, but frustration uh, is not enough always to pull somebody out. And that's why I think just one more time, recalls are the most interesting and unusual thing, certainly in the one we covered 18 years ago, because things can snowball very, very quickly. Gray Davis and a car tax that uh, might not have been toxic at one place was a bridge too far for too many voters. And so Newsom has got an interesting few months ahead of him. And then, and blew, think, and then blew up the budget, right? I mean, like that's a Schwarzenegger's yeah. legacy. I mean, that was something he ran and won on, but then sort of plagued him his entire administration. Yeah, and Marisa, let me just say, I mean, I think, as, as John said, um, uh, Newsom has one issue, I think, that we have to continue to look at, which is what, how are Democrats going to react as this recall goes forward? Are some of them going to get on that recall ballot? Um, you, he mentioned Villaraigosa, and I think that is somebody we are watching right now. Uh, he is putting out tweets that are suggesting maybe he's thinking about it, um, and I think the Democrats are kind of torn. Should somebody be on that recall ballot as an alternative, say, if Newsom's poll numbers go in the tank by the right. time this uh, this comes before voters? So strategically, there's a lot of stuff uh, to consider uh, for Newsom and for Democrats uh, as the recall approaches. If well, Carla, yeah, we're yeah. getting um, a lot of questions about how this actually works. Can you just explain the process of what, how a recall ballot looks? Uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, voters are going to have two questions in front of them. The first question is, uh, do they want to vote yes or no on recalling Newsom? And the second question is, who should replace him? Uh, and that's a, a question that is going to be followed by this long list of names, perhaps hundreds of names. Newsom is not allowed, by the way, uh, to enter his own name on that second ballot. Uh, he's banned from doing so under election law. So <clears throat> that's that is the question. That is the question that's going to be before voters. By the way, the setup of that question allows Newsom to raise unlimited money on the first question. It's considered a ballot measure. Um, so he has an advantage there. And uh, you know, vo voters will have to determine, um, do, they, do they want him or not? And that's where the Democrats have a strategic uh, dilemma in front of them. Do they offer some kind of alternative on that second ballot? And if they do, is that kind of an incentive to vote yes on the recall? That is, their, that is the... Uh, a thing that I think a lot of people in the party are debating right now. And Marisa, well, I would yeah. just say on the recall mechanics, a couple of things also for people to keep in mind is, so we're having the counties validate signatures now. They have until April 29th to do that. If you look at the signatures they already have on hand and the validity rate of signatures, this thing is already qualified. 
Um, again, I should be careful, but I'm going to say it. Uh, I mean, like the, they, they've they've made a very strong case, but they have until the end of April. Then we have a small period of time, or actually kind of a larger period of time than people might assume, where um, voters can ask to have their signature withdrawn if they've had a change of heart. They will have a 30-day period to go to their county elections office and say, I want my name off the recall ballot. I don't suspect that's going to be enough to change the uh, the outcome here. There's going to be a fiscal analysis by the state of what it costs to run an election. You've heard Newsom's people say, oh, $100 million, it's a waste of taxpayer money. We don't know that number yet, but that's their argument. And then we're going to have the lieutenant governor of the state, Eleni Kunalakas, who will have to pick the election date. She has a window of time she can pick it in. And that's going to trigger this process of is somebody going to run on the other side of this ballot? And as Carla has said it, and as we saw it in 2003, it was the quintessential drama of what Democrats would do. Do you put somebody up just in case? Or if you do that, does that show weakness and you have to have solidarity? And that is a gut check moment for Democrats when that happens. And that's obviously what we're all going to be looking for, because it's either you're betting it all on Newsom or you're hedging your bets. And both ways, you can make a case that someone thinks it's a, you know, the wrong call. Yeah. Leia's asking who's funding the recall and why? Either of you guys want to take that? Uh, there's, I mean, there's there, on the Republican side, we've seen a, a, a number of sort of major, uh, major Republican donors come forward. Orange County entrepreneur John Kruger, uh, uh, venture capitalist Douglas Leone, real estate developer Jeff Palmer. Those are a couple of the big money people who have gone behind the Republican recall, along with the Republican National Committee, along with Mike Huckabee. Uh, and strangely enough, Little Rock, Arkansas is one of the uh, major places where donations have come in uh, to front this recall. And uh, of course, the, the California Republican Party has weighed in on us. So uh, the, the Newsom people have said in the first uh, 48 hours of their Stop the Republican Recall uh, website, they raised more than a half a million dollars. And they said that 95% of that came from small dollar donors from 50 states. Uh, so they're saying there's a it's, a it's a much different profile that the Democratic side has on the Republican side, which has sort of uh, a lot of major donors and big players in the Republican Party. But Thanks. as we've said earlier in this, you know, then that's exactly right. Carla's 100% right. I mean, it's important to remember that a lot of this happened before the money people came involved on the Republican side. And it was a volunteer, largely grassroots effort. Uh, and there are very few of those in California politics when people circulate petitions and are successful with that. But this one was very close. It might not have, it might not have gotten over the, uh, the, the finish line without the money, but it didn't start with the money. And I think that is part of what you know continues to drive this conversation. There are people out there who believe passionately about this. Well, we mentioned earlier, we should say again, this probably wouldn't have I mean, it wouldn't have made it over the finish line either if a judge hadn't given the recall backers more time to collect these signatures because of COVID-19 and, and the pandemic situation, um, which is a little ironic in some ways. <laughs> um, and, some, and some Democrats say that is the single biggest mistake that the party made was yeah. not challenging that in the first place. Uh, it's was, kind of yeah. an interesting slide like yeah, was that the original sin, so to speak? <laughs> um, so we only have a few minutes left. John, you wrote this morning about voter registration numbers that no party yep. preference voters are actually shrinking. We haven't talked a lot about those who have said they're going to challenge the governor. Um, but we know that, you know, San Diego businessman John Cox, uh, Republican, former San Diego mayor uh, Kevin Faulkner and uh, former Sacramento area congressman Doug Osi have all said that they're jumping in. I mean, do you see a link between I mean, for, is it easier to get a Republican elected? potentially in a recall situation than in a normal ballot? And and do these voter registration numbers play into any of this? 
I mean, I suspect in some universe of parlor games in California politics, you can say that it would be easier to get a Republican elected. It's a special election. Maybe turnout is low. When turnout is low, maybe more conservative voters show up. I'd, I'd have a hard time seeing that. I think it is enormously difficult with voter registration in the state. Yes, I wrote this morning that no party preference voters, their, their numbers have shrunk. But Democrats have just continued to dominate the voter registration in the state. And Republicans have shrunk. I mean, at this point, Republicans are basically just treading water. They've made up some of the losses they've had, but they've not really gained. So having an R by your name is really tough in an election. No one's won. No Republican has won a statewide election in this state since 2006. It's an enormously high hurdle. I think the governor's bigger danger would be if you had a charismatic independent, you know, no party preference kind of person, someone who eclipsed politics, someone from Hollywood, something like that with a social media following, that would be harder for him than a traditional Republican candidate who he could talk about Republican policies. Um, so, you know, never say never, but I think it's awfully hard to be a Republican and run on Republican principles and win very hard. Carla, just like 90 seconds left here, but do you have any, uh, can you think of a Schwarzenegger type that could actually? You know, names have been thrown out there. Uh, I mean, people have said, look, Tom Hanks is probably the only one who could actually beat Gavin Newsom, but Hanks is a, is a Democrat, a loyal Democrat. On the Republican side, no yet, but I think there is an there is a opportunity for some, say, hip-hop star or some other star to get into this, and that's the interesting part of the recall. It's whoever has a plurality of votes on that second ballot. Should that recall, um, uh, you know, a question win on the first, uh, it's a, it could be somebody who pre- presumably is elected with maybe 30% of the vote. We'll see how that plays out. But uh, that, that's one of the uh, fascinating aspects of this uh, only in California recall. What a crazy state we live in. All right. Well, glad we'll be uh, covering this with the two of you once again. Flashbacks to 2003 abound. (laughs) (laughs) We've been getting the latest on the effort to recall Governor Newsom. Thank you to Carla Marinucci, Politico's California Playbook reporter, and John Myers, Sacramento Bureau Chief of the Los Angeles Times. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening 
because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Soul to Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Soul to Story are available now.